Hi, Nat. Hey, Jane. How you doing? Good. How you doing? I'm thinking a lot about death recently. Yeah. In so preparation this is, this is, for the podcast or in Well, general? no, no. Just completely, completely uh, serendipitously. So I was actually at, at Burning Man. They have a one of the large like structures is the is like a temple like they do every year um and basically the inside of it is filled with uh memorials people come in they write messages to like deceased you know family members they put pictures up they leave mementos um and i i i had some a very powerful experience there um just cried my eyes out for like almost an hour uh so yeah, this is perfect, perfect timing. <laughs> mm, that's awesome. Yeah, we actually had this scheduled once before and then I had to cancel it because there was a death in my family. I think it was actually the same day. Oh, oh no. Oh like, my gosh. In the serendipity <laughs> ends for us with this with this uh, podcast recording. Right. Yeah, so we are here to talk about the home funeral that you um, participated in for your dad last year, I believe. Um I thought if you wanted to bring his name into it, I thought it might be a nice way to start is to just like speak his name into the space. Yeah, his name was Jack Sharp. He was uh, 71 years old when he died. Uh, he died of a, he had had cancer for like about half a year, then had surgery. Everything went well, but then he had a heart attack. Um, basically uh, as a complication so yeah he died october 23rd um which is ironically my one of my daughters uh her birthday hmm. so it was his on his granddaughter's birthday he died um and then three days later he uh was buried oh just a sec this is my uh my sister i was going to ask her ask her a question so that was my sister rose she she was so for this home funeral yeah she was actually she was involved a little more than i was um because my dad had a very interesting life he basically 50 years ago he and a group of other young people in portland oregon got together and wanted to live like this communal kind of lifestyle. Um, they were all Christians, kind of like born again Christians. And in the early church, um, you know, you know, shortly after Jesus died, all the Christians kind of like were living in these like groups um, and sharing their resources and stuff. And that's what he wanted to do. So, so for the past 50 years, he's been living with, this group of people it's kind of fluctuated like in num numbers but between like 30 and 40 people um that's where i was raised um and he was basically like he and his he and my mom were the leaders of that so so that was the uh, environment in which he was lived and in which he died um and those were the people who uh buried like him when he he was like 20 when he uh started that yeah, I mean, it was more, I guess, it was my mom who who really want, kind of had the idea and like got her parents to kind of spearhead it. Um, and then he joined. Um, 
and then shortly after they got married and then it was probably when i was about uh 10 10 or 15 years into it where he actually ended up kind of like leading it um there was kind of like a split off between like him him and my mom and her parents um so so yeah he wasn't he didn't really he wasn't like but yeah he was very young like he he was like 21 or something when he when he met mom so if i remember correctly so you lived there until you were i don't like a young adult and did you meet martha there your wife yeah so yeah i i lived there my entire life basically um when i was like 20 actually i think i might have been 19 when Mar martha she we would have like permanent members that would like you know basically just live there all the time but then we'd always have like guests kind of coming through or or kind of seeing if they wanted to be part of that and martha came just for a summer she came for the summer as kind of a, a working guest and we hit it off and fell in love and and then about a year later we were married <laughs> so a very very relatively quick quick relationship um and we both wanted to stay in the community like we both we we both thought it was really cool there's like like two other young families that were having kids too kind of like the a third generation um and so we we got uh we had our first kid like nine months after we got married uh and then and then we got pregnant with another one and then by that time though like the community was kind of shifting and it didn't seem like there was going to be like much room for like the families and kids um so we ended up leaving and kind of kind of wanting our own autonomy too um so so yeah i left i left the community about like what was that 2000 uh 2014 so almost 10 years ago yeah maybe like nine years ago so so did the decision yeah. to have a home funeral for your dad kind of come through that community or through the family or through both well, it's both because I, I mean, like I said, like my, my mom and dad were basically the the leaders of this community, right? Um, and my sister, who I just talked to, like she she was living in the community at that time. Um, but it's interesting. The home funeral idea actually began when we were pregnant with our first child. So that was like just the first year of our marriage. There was a community member. They had had one community member like one of the original, you know, from the 1970s who died of a heart attack, um, like 20 years ago. Okay. Like just totally unexpected out of the blue. And they'd had a pretty, pretty standard funeral for her. Um, but then another, uh, one of the, uh, older women got cancer and it was like, it was terminal, like stage four cancer. So they were, they, just, they were thinking like, okay, how do we, how do we want to, uh, yeah how, how do we want to handle the funeral um and i was basically part of the committee as like a community member i was part of the committee to basically research home funerals and basically organize her funeral um before she died like it was it was really it was pretty powerful and that was while while, while i was waiting for my first child to be born um which is also the the daughter that my dad the same birth that he died on 10 years later so there you go hmm. i mean it's really really crazy 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 stuff 
So um, you had participated in a home funeral before and helped plan. Okay. So, yeah. So I I pl helped plan. Like we we had done all the research and stuff that you know, like the legal stuff and the practical matters, and then I had actually left the community by the time she passed away. Like it actually took took longer for her to die than what the doctors thought. Um, but pretty much all that planning and stuff that I had done, like, was help. You know, they implemented it. Um, so that that felt really good, even though I wasn't part of it. Um. And then for my dad's funeral, like my dad, he was the next one to die. And so it, it was a pretty similar process, I think. Um, and I I was living, you know, I'm living in a completely different state now. But I flew in like the, so, I mean, the biggest thing with the home funeral, at least, you know, depending on the state, is a lot of times they don't give you much time. They don't give, they, if you're not going to embalm the body, you have to bury them very quickly. And I think in North Dakota, it's like 48 hours or maybe a little longer, 72 hours. Um, but anyway, so he died on Sunday. Monday, they started, they basically put the, you know, things into place, like, you know, like started like getting the, like a church, like it was still, there was still a church involved because they were, my, my parents in the community are Catholic. Um, so it's not like they're doing everything on their own um, in terms of like the funeral. Um, so he died Sunday. They they let everyone know, you know, and like Monday, they, they sent out like invites to the funeral. Um, I think I flew up on Monday. Uh, and then Tuesday, we prepared his body, had a wake, basically at the, brought his body back home to like the compound, basically had a had a wake where we you know sat with him all night long in the morning we stuck him in the minivan drove him to the church had the funeral there drove him to the cemetery and then buried him so that was he died on sunday and he was buried on wednesday yeah that is a really fast turnaround time yep yeah and that's one of the biggest one of the biggest hindrances hindrances to a home funeral is that obviously not everyone who wanted to come was able to come right in that in that short notice right? right so that's 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 definitely a but but they also because it was because my family and the community had done it before like people were, did have that awareness it wasn't like just out of the blue like oh hey you know jack sharp just died and we're gonna you're not gonna be able to see him because we're gonna bury him um but yeah, that, that is definitely a consideration. It's like one of the benefits of embalming is that you basically get to decide when you, you know, when you have the funeral, right? If, if people want to see the body. Right. So you had it at a church, but it wasn't through a funeral home. So that's like your family and the, um, and the <laughs> commune community, yep. Yep. Uh, kind of like organizing all of that with the church. Yeah, so they they organized it with the church um, themselves. Interestingly, I don't know if they did this with the first with the her name was Sue the first the first lady that died that I helped you know with the initial planning. Um, I think they might have actually, but they they did work with a funeral director so that they actually they, they had a funeral director that they've they've known for a while, um, and they have a pretty good relationship with, and so I think. So my dad, they took him to the hospital. He was having a heart attack. So they tried driving him to the hospital, um, made it to the hospital just as he was dying. Um, and he basically died on the 
parking lot, like in the parking lot. Um, and so I think they, they had the funeral director pick him up at the hospital on Sunday night, transport him to his, the funeral home where he basically kept him in the refrigerator um, until uh, for all of Monday. So basically kept, kept his body from decomposing. Um, and then on Tuesday, like I had flown in. So on Tuesday, my brother, actually both of my brothers and my sister, so all, all of his kids, and then like another woman from the community, we all drove over to the, uh, to the funeral home. And the funeral director had brought his body out and stuck him on a, on a gurney, basically. And so we, we took off his clothes. Um, we, we cleaned him like as best we could. Um, we thought about shaving him, but didn't, uh, <laughs> sometimes you can have problems with that. Um, like tearing the skin, I guess, uh, stuck, put his socks on. Yeah. I mean, it, it was crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you basically have to cut it. We cut away the old clothes and you pull those off and then cut, you cut the, cut the backs out of the, the you know, the new clothes, stick them on. Um, yeah, that, that was a great, I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful for that experience. Like that was, yeah, that was really powerful. Like being able to do it myself. I don't, the funeral director, I'm trying to think if he did, like, like, I mean, what, what funeral directors do, and this is what I learned when I was doing the, the, the first, uh, research for the, you know, 10 years ago is <laughs> it's, it's insane what they do to your body. Like they basically, they suck out all your like juice, they drain your blood. They, uh, you know, they, they have like this tube, they stab in your gut and like jab around and suck it all out like a vacuum, flush it down the sewer, um, then they then they go in and, you know they plug your butt they they glue your eyes shut they they stick staple your mouth shut so it doesn't open like it just real i mean very like i was reading it i was like i don't want someone doing this to me this is terrible this is terrible oh my god <laughs> um so i think i think he might have like closed his eyes and maybe uh i don't know if he did anything with his mouth um but he was mostly just untouched. It was most. It was pretty much just like he was at the same way he and he looked dead. I mean, this is the thing too. This is the like if you have a home funeral, they will look dead. Like his his cheeks were sunken and he was like gray and kind of. I mean, this, which you I mean, if I you don't embalm them, then the you right. Can I mean, a lot of the embalming, it's like you're not. They're not preserving the body. They're basically reconstructing it they're basically like at least like facially like they will try to like make them look like they're sleeping like that it's, there's an aesthetic thing that goes into embalming um kind of like plastic surgery right they're not just making they're not as preserving them they're trying to make them look alive which i don't know like if you've ever seen like an embalmed person like to me like they don't actually look alive and they don't usually look like the person <laughs> Right. like it's actually kind of disturbing um i don't know i don't like it so was there a question at all of whether um you would embalm his body or was it you were sh like 
yeah i guess how much of this was planned in advance it sounds like his death wasn't um the timing of it wasn't expected um did he know that did he know that he was going to have a home funeral yes yep yeah so that's and that's like yeah so because you know this other woman sue that they, they had they had basically done a similar kind of process with her um and ironically like like i think he he bought the the coffin that he was buried in like he he because like i was just that's 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 the one question i had when you asked me a, a list of questions and the one i couldn't answer was where the the pine box came from but that's that's what rose uh my sister reminded me that they i mean they basically their policy was just to always have one on hand hmm. um so whoever so like needed it fret- would get it and then they would buy it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, but I've heard stories of people like, you know, just like individual families, like they'll buy a, a coffin, like a pine box and use it as a bookshelf. Cool. You know, like just like a head, like, I mean, this is the biggest thing to me. Like that's, I mean, the, this, the home funeral is one thing, but basically the, one of the most beautiful parts of it is just the intentionality. Because like you were saying earlier, like usually when people are dying or when, usually it's after they die that people start thinking about the funeral. It's like we don't even want to talk about it. We don't even want to acknowledge this reality that's going to happen. You know, it's just like we don't even we don't even want to think about it. Um, so I think that's I mean, I, I really admire that, like that the fact that. <laughs> that they were and, and it's it, it beautiful too like that my dad actually i think yeah like i said i think he he went and picked it up it was it was a it was a family oh, a friend of the family that made these like coffins um just kind of as a side thing um it was v- just very simple uh he, he barely even fit in there it was just <laughs> just a, it's just a very, very simple beautiful box um so yeah yeah so so but i think that yeah that that was uh it was it, it wasn't expected his death wasn't expected but they were re- they were ready for it and and that's one thing i would definitely recommend is that if you're not ready for a home funeral or burial like don't try it like it'd just be way too stressful i mean you'd be like i mean of all, of, of all yeah <laughs> right I, I, yeah i mean i think well even like like you have like once the person dies like if you're if it's just at home like you need a like a coroner or you need somebody to basically come in and like declare them dead and do all the stuff that uh that is normally just handled by like you know the funeral director or the the ambulance or whatever i mean it's like a i don't know i think it's uh yeah so it's like me like i mean i would like i would like to have like a home funeral like that i think but i don't know if i'll be in a community or situation where they would be able to do that does that make sense? Like it's it's really is it has to be like a a group kind of effort. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like alignment within the group that that's what everybody wants to do because there is a lot. Yes. Of work involved. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There is there is work involved. Um, and and it's just like I mean there's just like like the, like the like the time aspect, right? Like I mean I live in Alabama. He was in North Dakota. Like I could have made a huge stink about it, right? Be like, no, you can't. Like, m- my my kids weren't able to see him. 
right? I mean, I, I couldn't afford to like fly everyone up there. Like, you know, the next day, like literally, like I think I bought my ticket the day he died. Like, I, I mean, so, so it's one of those things, like I, I would say, like if you're interested in doing it for yourself or if you're helping other people do it, just like make sure you communicate with everyone who will be affected, right? Because that, because at the end of the day, it's not the funeral is not for the person who died, like it's for the the people, right? <laughs> I mean, it's for the it's for the people. Like the person who died doesn't give a crap. I mean, like I don't. I mean, they're they're gone. So, so like I think so for the community that my dad was part of, um, and his family, like that's one reason they want to do the home funeral is because it really it did reflect the kind of life they were living already and it was a, so like it just gave us total control over the experience right total control um so like i said after the uh, after we dressed him and put him in the put him in the coffin um on tuesday like we we literally just stuck him in the back of a minivan i i think we did have i mean the funeral director did help a lot because like i think he he actually wrote like a like gave us like a, a sign thing for transporting like even transporting a dead body like right if you get, get pulled you... over or something yeah exactly right like you don't want to i mean there's all sorts of like you know sketchy kind of areas you don't want to be don't want to be in so so yeah we brought him home and basically put brought him up to like they have like a little chapel kind of like in their main building so we had him on a gurney that we were once again a gurney right no one has a gurney like, but we borrowed one from the uh, funeral director, right? Or rented one. I mean, we, we I think we we paid him. Like, that that was what was so nice about what he offered, is that he didn't say it was all or nothing, right? Like, he really said, like, whatever whatever services you need, I'll do. Whatever you want to do, you can do. So, like that that is soup. That is amazing if you can find someone like that. Um, so. So yeah, he so like even like the death certificate, like he asked us all the questions, but he ha he filed for the death certificate, like he handled that paperwork. Um, it's really nice to have that kind of a la carte, uh, yeah, opportunity. Yeah. And I and I seriously it's doubt we all... are capable of managing, and these are the things that we actually need some help with. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So in that sense, he like he was acting like a midwife almost, or like a <laughs> like a like a death midwife. Um, but, but even less hands-on, I mean, really crazy. Yeah. So anyways, we brought him back to like the, the, the chapel, like the, like the little, like the chapel room, we stuck him on the gurney and then he was just going to sit there for until like, you know, the next afternoon basically, or the, or yeah, almost for like 24 hours. And so then like, I was kind of freaking out like oh shit like he's gonna start smelling like this is this is gonna be terrible like what the heck so I, I think I went and got like a bunch of like freezer packs and like I stuck them like all over his body um but <laughs> I mean just just like stuff like that like this is but it's like it's just so real you know it's just so real it's just like it was so I mean I think it was healing for me just to like actually just see his dead body and and interact with it and touch it and i think that was that was it was so it was so obvious that he was gone right hmm. so in terms of closure i think that's like a that's a huge gift 
is being able to actually interact with the corpse. So, yeah, there's something as you're saying that it's like <clears throat> the way that I feel what you're saying is that it like really speaks to oh, the animal body parts of us that oh, understand, right. understand death by being so face to face with it. Like, even if our mind gets intellectually that the person is dead, there's like something very different about being there right after it happens and being with the body and interacting with the body. Right. I mean, how many dead bodies have you seen? I mean, I've seen ones, I think every funeral I've been to, I've seen the body, but um, there's, so the death that just happened in my family a little over a month ago, I was there as she was passing and then I stayed, I kind of, yeah, wanted to advocate a little bit for like, okay, give us a little bit of time before the funeral director comes in, you know, just like let us exactly. Oh somebody had just given a little me bit that, of time. Just a little yeah, bit of time. Somebody <laughs> had given me that advice of like really take your time and if anybody tries to rush you, don't let them. Um good, good. So we sat with her for three hours and um it's like me and my aunts and uncles and a cousin, and we just like you know, it wasn't even, it wasn't like, there's something about death. I think that it's like, you can't hold that somberness for that long. It's like, we just were chatty and silly <laughs> telling stories, you know, but I was sitting next to her and I would periodically like look over at her. And there was something just in that three hours that my body was really processing. Like, yep, she's gone. Yep. She's gone. And like, um, oh. you know, and then I saw her again 10 days later yeah. for the funeral and um, yeah mm. at that point I like I, I couldn't even really connect the body that I was seeing with the spirit of my grandmother it felt like two separate things um, hmm. so I would say yeah I don't know I've seen some number of dead bodies at funerals but it was a very very different experience to be interesting yeah they're like as it was happening and just afterward and I did not do the things that you're describing of like cleaning her and dressing her I was not involved with that so <clears throat> that feels to me like it would be another layer of um another <clears throat> layer of really feeling the rawness of the experience and maybe another layer of like um there's something <clears throat> in the in the um actual act of caring for somebody's body that feels to me like a whole um ritual in and of itself that i did not it, yeah it, it it was and, and but but even then like we we were, we were still laughing and joking i mean <laughs> at different points i mean it really it, wow i mean part of it's just like the nerves of, of what we're doing but the other thing was just like just i mean being like oh my gosh like if he could see himself now or if he could you know like he would be so so mortified or he'd be so like it was just so so healthy it was just so beautiful um there's another element of it that's like how much do we see our family members naked besides maybe like a spouse and children you know what i mean like um in some cultures it's probably <laughs> more common but there's something about that too that like really i feel like touches into the, the yeah wrong. actually that, that that's one part yeah i was definitely worried about that aspect um and then it it turned out because of uh like his circumstances like with his uh, the kind of kind of surgery he had and stuff like he was wearing like this whole kind of get up or whatever so like we ended I didn't actually end up seeing him completely naked, um, but I was prepared to like if I if I needed to I was like okay I'm you know, um so so he he had a, 
but it was still but yeah that's what i mean as as his child it felt especially profound because i felt <sighs> i mean the, the thing that sticks out to me is like is putting his socks on like i'd never put his socks on before but he he put socks on me right like he he basically was there when i was a helpless body and he took care of me he cleaned me he changed my diaper so being there doing that for him yeah that was that really was powerful and knowing knowing it's like that's this is the last pair of socks he's ever going to wear I just trying to do a good job. To... <laughs> How did you guys pick uh, out his clothes? Uh, I think it was my mom. I think, I mean, it was basically like his, what he would wear for like, you know, special occasions or like going, going to church. Like, um, but it was, yeah, it really was like, I mean, like his, his uniform in a certain sense it was like uh i mean he wore like a he'd wear like a white button-down shirt and black pants and the thing the the men in the community wore is kind of like the amish they would wear like these big thick suspenders um so like putting those on him felt very like ritualistic you know because of how much they meant to him um we we had we had an interesting moment where it's just like we had to decide whether or not to take his wedding ring off because um, he had died wearing the ring. Um, and we, because, you know, some, sometimes like the, the wife will keep that or whatever. But we just, but we, we thought about it. Like, we were like, no, I think, I think he would like to be buried with it. Um, so that was, but yeah, just little, little things like you don't even think of, right? Like, I mean, or like the shaving thing, you know, it's like he had, he had a little bit of stubble and it was just like well you know that's i mean just but it looked like him i mean just like it, you know it's <laughs> i don't know yeah just the just oh yeah but yeah like i mean like you said raw the rawness like that's 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 what it felt like and i've i've i mean the it, the only thing i can compare it to is like the last two births like martha and i have had we've done at home where it's just it's been by ourselves like i've i've it's only been me and her no midwife no midwife no and that, that's what it feels like it, it felt very similar what what very, very similar. about it it's the just how real it felt it just felt so real. So, yeah, I mean, what, what did you say? Like the like the animal side of us, or the the embodied side. The it's just so like birth is like so messy. <laughs> it's so incredibly messy. I mean, emotionally messy. There's like fear and pain and like uncertainty and you don't know like how long it's gonna last, you don't know what's gonna happen. There's hope. And there's just blood everywhere, there's shit everywhere. 
Um, absolutely disgusting. Primal. Smelly. I remember when I was staying with you guys, so it must have been two births ago, the first one that you did at home, you were telling yep. me, like, you know, after the baby was born and things had calmed down a little bit, I think, like, maybe the rest of your kids were asleep still and you and Martha were like laying in bed with the baby and you could hear the birds chirping outside and like, <laughs> I love that so much you know like you're not hearing hospital noises you're hearing the birds outside your home yeah and I guess it's the same thing like with the death thing like like I, I've heard so many stories of like somebody dying and then, like, just five minutes later, like, you know, the hospital, the, the ambulance shows up, they, they pull, they grab the body, they take it to the hospital or the morgue or whatever. And then, like I said, like a week later, they, they see this, you know, the body. Um, and just, just the, the sadness people have, have felt in those situations of just like, and, and the lack of closure and the lack of, you know, so the fact that you, I mean, I'm so, so happy to hear that, that you, uh, that you fought for like a little bit of time or just like made that a priority um because that's the thing like the hospitals the funeral directors they're supposed to be there to serve us right like that's that they're supposed to they're there to serve us but sometimes what's is serving us is not just like doing it for us or or just hiding it right or just taking it away um so so yeah i think i mean that's that's how i felt with my dad i felt honored to be part of that um even if it hadn't been my dad it would have been an honor to basically take care of this dead body mm. and just just for the <laughs> just for the the insights and like the experience it gave me you know like thinking about my own death like that was like like I'm so grateful. Like I like that's a gift he gave me. I mean, and that's a gift he gave me from like beyond the grave, right? I mean, by dying, by dying in this way, where he basically allowed his family to take care of him, he gave us a gift. He gave he gave me a gift. Like in my own like contemplations about death and like So that that was powerful. That was like whoa. Like I was actually grateful for his death in that sense. Like, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. This so this was almost a year ago now. This was October twenty twenty two. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was ex yeah almost exactly a year next month. Does it yeah. feel like in that time, have you noticed anything in terms of like how your relationship with death has shifted or changed? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it is shifting. It's it's hard to pin it down like 
to him specifically but but i for the past like five six years like i've I've had like really like pretty strong anxiety and panic attacks and usually around like dying like thinking i'm dying like health issues and things and and that that has been becoming much much less um but yeah in terms of death i mean it's like a well, okay. <laughs> what, 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 one feeling I had, like, this is pretty early on, like after he had died, like, I mean, part of the problem is like him and I had very different beliefs about death. Like he, 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 he was a, you know, Christian Catholic. He thought he'd go, be going to heaven. Um, I don't necessarily believe in an afterlife um, anymore. So I felt, it felt much more final to me, like his, his death. Um but uh but i did have this feeling like this this image it was just like <laughs> it's like like watching my kids like try to like go off like the diving board at the, at the swimming pool like like go off the high dive like they'll go up to the high dive and they'll go out to that very edge and like look down and and then freak out and then and then go back and then try it again like five minutes later and and the feeling i had with my dad is like whatever death is whatever death is he has gone before me he went first to basically to like and it's like so it's like a parent like seeing their kid like scared and be like okay just watch me watch me here here i'm gonna i'm gonna go off and like and then see i'm fine i'm fine so that's i had that feeling i was just like no matter what happens now when I die, I will know that my dad went before me. And that made me feel so good. <laughs> like I that really, that so oh my God. Yeah, that. Uh, I, I think that's the way it should be, right? I mean, not that we want our parents to die, but it's like, it really is like the, one of their last gifts they can give us is going going ahead yeah i think it speaks to the power of being involved in the process too when possible is like um yeah getting to be in touch with the rawness of death throughout your life as a way of a lot of people have like really intense death anxiety and death phobia and all of that so just a way of like touching into it in a very real way periodically throughout our lives like hopefully as children even um just starting to like yeah yeah well, i guess and that's a, i guess that's why i asked you like how many people you've seen dead because it's like i've probably been to like a total of maybe like five funerals in my entire life like i just i feel like i i'm so underexposed to death like yeah, maybe volunteering at hospice is like, I don't know, I could see that being really good. <laughs> like, really, has, have, you, have you noticed that change you at all? Or in terms of, a, I mean, you, you said you haven't really seen, like, you've been with them as they're dying, but you've, right, you've definitely right. been with, that in, with people that knew they were dying. I mean, even that yeah. I could see being really beautiful. Yeah, it's touching an aspect of it. Um, I, I, I've been realizing that I want to be 
like they don't call me the caregiver doesn't call me when the person is actually dying you know they mm, like mm-hmm. so i'm i'm just there at scheduled times to like do respite and companionship visits and that kind of thing but i i have had a hunch and this was sort of um <laughs> confirmed with my grandmother that i think the stage that i feel most well suited for is actually that active dying process so being with them as they are in the midst of that that um transition um yeah yeah but Hmm. yeah i would say i would say the hospice work in general even when it's um months or weeks out yeah it's still very death is very present for me just by engaging with it in that way yeah interesting yeah it's funny I i was watching I'm not on TikTok anymore, but for a while I was watching TikTok a lot. And there was one guy that was really interesting and he was a, I think he worked at a morgue. Like he did like autopsies or whatever. And and he was answering all these questions about death that people had. Like, you know, mostly practical, but like sometimes very like profound questions. And and it really did make me, I was envious of him, of just like his intimate, up close experience with uh death maybe there's something there for you maybe there's a little bit of a call (laughs) happening oh my gosh oh maybe wow i've never even thought of that (laughs) i could i could totally see that for you honestly interesting oh my god wow working Uh, i want to yeah i want to ask you what the um what the funeral itself was like yeah let's see so the uh so the i guess we have to start with the wake the wake was uh that was the only time his casket was open um and so that was like open like all night long and like different like local friends and people just came in um paid their respects i think i think for a while they i think they they were singing songs together um which is a kind of a big part of their like, spirituality. Um, so like spiritual songs and praying. Um, I don't know if they did like, I think one person kind of shared kind of like a story. Maybe, I think it was one of the guys that was there when he actually died and like shared something. Um, I'm trying to think of, oh yeah, I think, I think, and then like uh, downstairs, like kind of in the dining room they uh there's a bunch of like neighbors and friends gathered together before before that and like some of us kids talked about him a little bit and and a few other people shared things so yeah there was there was definitely a kind of a group like different kind of like very short impromptu eulogies and memories um so i, I really appreciated that. that that seemed really important um catholics aren't allowed to do that at funerals like it's not really a a thing but it's like at the at the wake it was different um hmm. so then in the morning so like there was always one like i stayed up you know we, we all like basically took turns like like an hour of basically just sitting with them so i'm pretty sure like there was always someone there throughout the night and i i really appreciated that too like i i liked like praying with other i mean i wasn't praying really but singing with other people and but then being there by myself with him felt really, really good. Like that was, 
like I, th- I think I was even like talking to him and just like because like we had kind of like up and down relationship you know it was a uh, <laughs> um so yeah just being alone with him like that that felt that felt good and I I gave him some uh, my my kids drew pictures for him so I, I put I put some pictures in his coffin I put a few like little mementos and things that I had brought with me um his youngest granddaughter he had never met so I, I brought like a little like lock of her hair and I think I, I stuck that in his hand like that's that seemed really beautiful to me um no in private you know it was just it was really nice just having some private time with him um it wasn't creepy like I wasn't like <laughs> it was not, not not at all like freaked out um and then so then the, in the morning we had a kind of another gathering sang some more songs and then people would come and like kiss him or like that's, that's one thing i did like I, like even the first like when i first saw him like i went over to the table and i, I think i kissed his forehead and like part of me i had this like kind of like animal revulsion you know against from like dead bodies or whatever but it was i'm glad i did it like it, it was very <laughs> just uh yeah I'm glad, yeah it's yep it was good and then um and then like i think mom said goodbye like she was like the last person kind of say goodbye and then they closed the 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 lid um and then we stuck them in the stuck them in the uh well, the pallbearers like i was one of the pallbearers and we just, we picked him up, put him in the minivan, and then drove him to the church. Like it was like an hour away, like the church they they were doing it up. So, drove him to the church, and then it was it was a pretty like standard Catholic funeral. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it's like they have, they have the you you wheel in the the body, the casket, like put it basically in front, kind of between the the people and the altar, um, and then they do like a mass. I think it was my it was his son. Like so, my oldest brother's a priest. So he actually did the funeral mass. Um, and then like one of, one of the good, their priest friends that of the community, like he gave the homily, like the, basically, you know, the, the he preached. Um, so that, that, and then I think they even like, like live streamed it for people that couldn't be there. So that's another thing to, you know, think about too. It's like, if you're doing a short notice funeral, you can always you can live stream it right i mean that's that's something we can do now um and then after that they uh i think they had a big meal they had a big uh like uh i don't know if it was a potluck or maybe it was a potluck but i I was so surprised by how many people showed up it really was it was so cool like because it was so short notice but he just he really and it was like a weekday and it was just like it was terrible timing but tons of people like took off work and just came and came to say goodbye. So that was, was, yeah. I mean, I think that, that really, I mean, the funeral aspect is, 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 yeah. Seeing how many people someone affected like in the local, like a local community, like that is really, really amazing. Um, I think about that, like if I died right now, like who would show up? like not many people especially not locally like i barely know anyone locally like where i live 
you know like i don't like i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> like i think a lot of people would say the same thing like you know i i have friends scattered across the country and on twitter and different things but how many how many of them would come come to my funeral i don't know so so that was that was really beautiful um uh, okay so then after we ate we uh most people just went home but then like the 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 family and the you know the core community we uh we drove back up to uh there's a little cemetery kind of like next to where my parents live or where the community lives and and so the thing with cemeteries i i think there's only three states where you can't just bury someone in your backyard um so like like when we were like researching like home funerals and burials like there was one beautiful one we watched on this like documentary where <laughs> it, was, it was like this older guy like in the 70s or whatever had died and they, they were like their wake was like he, he was like in this pine box in his, his shed in his shop and they were like standing around drinking beer they were just you know those his friends and family standing around drinking beer talking about him and and then they're like at some point they're like well we should probably we should probably put him in the ground and, and they had just like dug a hole like in his backyard you know, his, his farmyard, like they had dug a hole with a backhoe and they went out there and they, they lowered him in, covered it up. That sounds good to me. Like, I, I, I like that idea. But because my dad was being buried in a cemetery, he, uh, they had to do one of those concrete vaults. Um, and pretty much every cemetery, like they will make you buy a concrete vault, uh, which is basically just a concrete box that goes around you know the uh, casket and as far as i know the main reason to do that is because like otherwise the cat when the casket kind of like collapses or breaks and decomposes it creates like an indentation in the ground and then it's hard to mow the grass so so you have to spend thousands of dollars on this stupid concrete box um, so are you saying that in north dakota you're not allowed to do backyard burials i know you can you can um so the so the the main reason they, they didn't want to do that is religious beliefs i think like they uh they they believe uh catholics believe in this thing called consecrated ground um so like having a, a especially like a special cemetery that's consecrated um and that's one that's one thing we even looked into is like if we wanted to like do it on our own property like i think we could have cr created even like a catholic cemetery on our property oh no but i think even then like for an actual like cemetery you have to like set up a, like a trust and basically like make like make it so that it can last you know into the future and be taken care of um so i think it was more complicated than we thought um but yeah they, they totally could have done it like they had space and they could have i mean like in my mind that, that would be even more beautiful <laughs> yeah just just stick them on the ground just stick them on the ground right right where you could visit them like super you know like even if you're like somewhere where you're walking by, right? Like, I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? Like, just be like, oh, there, there, there he is. Um, and that, that's the other reason, like, they don't really do believe in like cremation. Like, that that's kind of like Catholics are allowed to cremate, but it's kind of a, it's not, uh, it's kind of frowned upon um, because they believe that when Jesus comes back, all the bodies will basically rise out of the ground and be transformed right so by destroying your body it could be seen as like 
you know, not believing that, I guess. Um, but I've also seen like examples of home funerals where they did do cremation and those seemed really beautiful too. Like, like this one, there was this woman who was dying of cancer and when she died, like all her friends, they just came over to her house and she was just, she was in like the cardboard cremation box that, you know, they probably got from the crematorium and they painted it. They just sat around, they sat around and they, they wrote messages to her. They drew flowers. They just, they made it so beautiful. And then they put it in the van and they took it to the crematorium and they all like stood around while it was burned. And like, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, what an so, expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I think the main thing is just like, it's not even so it's not even a matter of like what kind of rituals you choose. It's the fact that you get to choose them. And the fact that you are like you as the grieving, you know, family are the ones basically directing that and taking, you know, like that. Yeah, I think that that's the that's the it's, it's so cool. So cool. I know that you did a lot of the research 10 years earlier for Sue. Yeah. Yep. Um, but do you remember either back then or this most recent mm -hmm. time, like. Were there any resources that were particularly helpful for you? <clears throat> yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think there was a, there was some pamphlet or something we got, I think, that had like, like, like the North Dakota, it might've just been a PDF. I'm pretty much everything is just available online. Um, but every, every law, every state has slightly different laws about like how long you can wait and different things um but they're pretty straightforward most of them are just like a few paragraphs i mean it's not like a it really is not too and too crazy um and it sounds like it, you also watched some like documentaries and things yeah i wish i could remember what the the name of that documentary was because that was that was really a really beautiful uh really beautiful documentary uh, and just like showing the like different types of home burials Let's see. There's one called A Family Undertaking by PBS. That sounds familiar. Let me see if that's... Yeah, but pretty much, yeah. I mean, that, that one looks really good. Um, and then there was a book, too, that we... I, I, and I don't remember what that was called either, but that was... Uh, it had... Uh, it basically gave like a super in-depth description of the normal embalming process and funeral direct, you know, the funeral process and really helped us decide like, okay, we do not want to do this. Like we want to just have a much more simple, much more just organic, loving type of, you know, funeral. Um, so yeah, I, I yeah I do a. I'm not I'm not sure what that was either. <laughs> um. Yeah. But I but I think the the main thing is just like. Even knowing that it's possible. Like in my mind, like that I think, and that's why it's so cool that you're. Researching this and like doing this podcast because it's like. 
just knowing that it's it's hard it's a, it's gonna be a little harder in some ways than like just letting someone else do it for you but it's definitely doable like i, I think that's the main and that, i feel the same way about the home birth experiences that we've had like like in one way they've made me more grateful for hospitals and midwives um but on the other hand it's also like it feels amazing knowing that it really it it, it is it's, it's possible and not, not yeah not it's, it's not it's not it's not as challenging as it, as it seems i don't know yeah, I'm really grateful to you for being willing to talk about it publicly. There's something, this is very true for me. I probably varies among people, but like <clears throat> getting to hear firsthand stories about it is really helpful. Like it's also oh, helpful to like read resources and um, rules and regulations and suggestions and stuff. But like you and I are pals, um, getting to like hear, you know, really from your perspective and through your lens of what it was like to to participate in one is really helpful. There's something about it that I think can be intimidating because we don't really get to like rehearse it or practice it, you know? It's like well, somebody we, we actually, died, yeah. and they die once and then it's like, you know, we kind of have like one shot at their funeral. Um, So I think that can make it, at least this is how it's felt to me. There's an element of like, hmm. oh, well, I don't want to risk, like what if I mess something up and then like, right. <laughs> you know? So there's something... I mean, you probably can rehearse it. There's probably ways of like. Yeah, well, getting... I, 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 it actually reminded me, like when we were when we were doing the research for the, uh, for the, uh, the Sue's funeral, we did we we did rehearse it. We 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 practiced uh, like we we had we had we already had the coffin. We we had the coffin, and and the people that were going to be involved. Like like at one point we, someone volunteered to be the dead body. And, and we practice like rolling her over, putting like sheets underneath her, rolling her back, picking up the sheets. Like this is simple things like how do you move a how do you move a 150 pound person, 200 pound person? Sheets. You just use sheets. So so you roll them over, put the sheet under there, roll her back, and then we all grabbed the sheets, picked her up, walked her to the coffin, lowered and lowered her into the coffin, tucked it around her body. Um, and it obviously wasn't like the full, you know, the full funeral, but, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, why can't you rehearse a funeral? Why can't you rehearse a death and, and have fun with it? Right. I mean, like you can even have the, I, I don't think it was, <laughs> I don't think it was Sue that was like the, the volunteer, but it's like, if I was, if I was terminally, you know, like, yeah, sure. I'll help you rehearse the funeral. Like if, if you were, if you were preparing my, my death. I, I think that would be a beautiful thing. Like, lay, stick me in the coffin. Like, practice on me. I mean, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. I don't know. It was probably uh, a pretty interesting experience for whoever was the volunteer, too. I, like, I think it was. I think it really yeah. was. I mean, it's like not, people do that kind of thing a lot, like death meditations, that kind of thing. Um, oh, really? Is that, I, I mean, I don't think I've ever, I, I'm not sure I, I've ever done anything like that. But yeah wow wow so, so there you go you're you're already doing it i mean that could be like a whole service that you could you could offer people is basically like a walkthrough of their funeral that's so true that's so cool i love that idea that is really interesting that's like a 
Wow. Yeah, so I, I like, like I said, like I, I see like the home funeral thing as being most realistic in a in like some sort of community. If it's just if like if, if it's just like someone dying and like all their kids are just spread out across the country and they have to fly in to, you know, like I don't that's not gonna work. Or, or maybe, harder, it would, right? maybe it would work better like you didn't really have notice that your dad was dying it sounds like right. maybe if it's like pretty clear that somebody's getting you know and people are able to travel in before it happens i don't know it sounds like it would still be hard yeah no that's true that's true um but you, you probably you'd still need like some i mean i think in any situation you're gonna have to have some person who's basically willing to take responsibility because like like you said, like what if something goes wrong? What if something like and and who in a grieving state of mind is what is gonna jump to take that responsibility, right? Did you have I somebody mean, this, kind of a point person? Yeah, uh, let me see. Yeah, who was the uh yeah, I mean I think they they were, they were kind of like coordinating together. Um there there might have been like a, a few core people. Just like you know, when we were for for Sue's funeral, um, yeah, I don't I don't think there's one specific person, but my mom definitely was not involved, very very much. Like, it, I think she might have helped like figure out like the church and different things, but but she was that yeah, she was not involved. She was not interested either i don't i mean like that it was just went way way too much um so i guess that's the trick too right like you want people that that care about the person and love the person but who aren't necessarily the most grief stricken yeah so like, like i said i think the biggest thing is just it's the communicating ahead of time it's the communicating ahead of time and just being like, okay, here's the plan. This is what we'll do. And even like Martha and I have talked about doing that, like different places we've moved, like just realizing how unprepared we are. Like if one of us died, like we would just be like, we, 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 we just get, go to a funeral home. I mean, I don't, I don't even know. I'm, I don't even want to think about it. Right. I mean, it's just like, oh my God, like what the fuck? So we've actually talked about how, how helpful it would be to like find like a death midwife and I, I don't even know if that's a thing right but to basically find a death midwife it's like we're pregnant right we're all pregnant with a dead body there you go all of us are <laughs> we all have a terminal disease called life <laughs> like that's the thing it's not a surprise we we are all gonna die I could die right I could have a heart attack right now I could die right now. You could die right now. You could die on this podcast while we're talking. That would be pretty good timing for doing it, a death it, podcast. Dying. It would make it, it would be a very popular podcast. It would be very, yeah. <laughs> I'd be very, I'd be very impressed and sad. Very sad. Yeah, there's, they're totally death midwives. Is, is that a thing? That's Have kind you, of the route I'm going. Um, that's, I, I could totally see you doing that. Yeah. yeah yeah i did a training it some you can call it a death doula a death midwife um, okay interesting yeah death companion death worker um death worker <laughs> yeah i like that 
Interesting. But yeah, I mean, that I could just, yeah, that would be such a valuable service for people that basically want something a little more personal than what, you know, hospitals and funeral homes give you. Yeah. Yeah. And the beauty of it is that um, it is really not just something for end of life. Death is with us all the time. And there are so many elements of it. Like you and I were just talking about before we started recording, like the direction that I am seem to be mainly going with it is this like energetic death that I'm supporting people in, which is mm -hmm. another kind of death work. But what you and Martha are talking about would be like, mm. you're both healthy and young yeah. and like you also want to just like consult with somebody who could help you feel more prepared for surprises that's yeah. totally not, like not just feel prepared but basically somebody like if martha if i walked out and martha was dead in the living room who would i call first right I mean, that that's the kind of pr person, like, I want. It's like, I mean, I'd probably call 911. Just just in case she wasn't actually dead, maybe. Um, <laughs> but even then, it's like, if they showed up, so say, say they showed up, they tried to resuscitate her, they couldn't do it, they pronounced her dead, and then they were going to take her away. I wouldn't, I don't, I don't want that. You know, I wouldn't want that. But who do I call? Who do I, who, who, like, I don't know the Alabama laws. I don't know the, I don't know anything right now, right? I mean, it took me completely by surprise. And so like, yeah, having someone who basically, that we've talked to before, that, that basically knows our desires, knows who we are, knows what we want. And then I could basically call and be like, hey, like, you know, like, what do, what do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. They will advocate for you. They will have your interests in mind. They will know the local laws that have okay, to be okay. worked with. And then, um, yeah, they'll be able to have a level of like calm and clarity that would be really hard for you in such a state of shock, you know? Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, but I, but I think it's a, it's a tricky thing to like, <laughs> convince people of in a certain sense because it is like no like we we do live in a state of denial most of us you know that we're ever going to actually have to deal with that right so so yeah i, I can see like how something like or like potentially combining like both like 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 your your kind of things like energetic death work and with i mean i guess this is what it's supposed to be like what priests are supposed to do or different you know different like religious kind of figures it's like in a community it's like but unfortunately, we 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 live in this. Uh, yeah, it's just like the, the funeral home. It's like an industry. It's like it's an actual industry, and it's very very very. It's not the best. <laughs> it really it really isn't. And like I said, they don't have like your best interest. I mean, what the fact? I mean, what ends up happening? It's just it's so it's so terrible. It's so terrible. Like you end up like. Or like even even with dad, like like we already had the casket and everything, so like we didn't have to like worry about buying the casket. But oh oh, it's it's so disgusting. But like they uh, so like normally what happens is like you have so you have these grief stricken people, right? We're not ready for this death. They they show up at the funeral 
funeral home and the funeral director starts selling to them like literally like literally they are in a sales office where he's upselling them on like well you could do this like very you know cheap standard casket but here's our you know ten thousand dollar deluxe gold-plated casket with the special hermetic seal all the way around um, yeah there's definitely a way that it can become this thing of like showing your love for the person by how much money you're gonna spend it's on. terrible what a chair i mean it's just like it's not all know. like that like i just <laughs> want to say the person that um did uh, so much for my grandmother he seemed okay. really great and like oh, good okay um like who you worked with where you could kind of do that all a cart thing i think yep. there's like i don't know the intricacies of like the various state laws around this but i think yeah I don't know if I even want to say it because it could be wrong, but I think that it's supposed to be like that everywhere and that like you are supposed to always be able to bring in your own casket if you want and not have to buy a casket. Oh yeah, from, yeah, no, totally, um, totally. But but, the, but once again, like know, who who has who has their own casket? Right. So it's like, I mean, it's, it's not even that like, yeah, so 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 even, even assuming the best about like the funeral directors, you're still not going to be making your best decisions right. in that moment. Like if, if you really are, uh, if yeah i mean just the fact that how unprepared most people are it's just like you're not going to be thinking straight yeah and you might end up with like a huge bill and a huge debt that is not going to help your grieving process it's not going to help anyway um but like yeah. like what, what i mean like even little things like 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 the, the the sealed caskets right like like they pointed out in this book i read like when you seal a body in a casket it doesn't protect them from from decomposing you know because they sell it as like oh don't you want to protect your grandma don't you want to protect your mom and it's like no what happens is that it kill all the back all the bacteria that needs oxygen that would decompose your body all die because it's not getting any oxygen and then the bacteria basically in your gut or play or th places that don't need oxygen they start consuming your body and it basically turns it into soup. Interesting. Like, this is what happens. This is what, like, it's like I was reading this stuff and I was like, so horrified. I mean, like, once again, it doesn't, like, they're dead. It doesn't really, you know, like, does it really matter? But it's like, but there's like, I've read horror stories, like people going back and like getting their casket, like the casket of someone like in storage or like in a, a mausoleum or something. And they're leaking out. Because it's, I mean, anyways, I don't know. It, it's just, there's something, I, I guess what I don't like, what I don't like is the, is, is, is the illusion, is like creating like this false illusion about death, right? Like, like yeah, the idea, like if we embalm them to make them look like they're just sleeping, they're not sleeping, they're dead. You know, like, oh, we're going to seal, we're going to seal their casket for another, you know, $5,000 to protect them from the outside. But they're not, they're dead. They're dead, you know, like, I mean, I think my ideal, my ideal would basically be buried in the ground without any, any body or any box at all. Mm. And just be like, completely just decomposed, eaten, 
like you know everything like animals worms bacteria and just slowly turned into a you know nature again right yeah that feels the most um that feel like... for me as well okay interesting yeah because i mean that that's what i literally see death as like death is just like when when basically i'll stop being this pattern and i'll just turn into something else so so trying to pretend that that's not happening i guess i i, I that is what actually disgusts me it's not the decomposition and the uh the rotting and all this stuff it's like it's the pretending yeah it's like yeah i ugh. think the more that we address um death phobia and lack of connection with death the more people will be able to bear the reality of it you know we won't have to pretend yeah i hope so i think so um hmm. yeah not that there's not other reasons to like embalm and you know like we were talking about with time constraints and other factors um but yeah. no it, it's definitely yeah i definitely don't uh i don't blame anyone for embalming <laughs> yeah it's, it's really not optionality a... optionality and information yeah, choice it's, it's and fine. ownership yeah you I know. think it's... I guess I guess the, yeah the, the whatever the my my main reaction like why I get like upset about like the the normal way of doing things is is just because it's like it, it it makes it because it's so hard to do anything different I guess that's the thing at least for me it's like it's just it's just so hard to do anything different um so so sometimes kind of like pointing out the the negative things helps like you know let go of the the default option um but but yeah but i also think i mean i i totally agree with you on that that's where i'm still uh yeah i i'm still working on that myself of just like base reconciling myself to my own death you know and i think that's that's where i i think like a, a funeral or burial the rituals and all this stuff the way you do it like I, I mean just imagine that imagine like if your own death actually helped the people that you left behind wouldn't that be wouldn't that be beautiful like it's not like like actually help them like be less afraid of death or like you know more like what I mean, just ugh. Huh, I don't know. Yeah, death phobia. I like I like that. Like I definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely I still have some death phobia. Is there anything else? We've kind of been talking about this off and on the whole time, but is there any other like advice you would give, things you wish you had known before doing this? Anything like that? Mm. Advice you would give to anybody who's considering the possibility, I mean. Right. Yeah, let me let me see. Um Yeah, I guess I mean I've said it before, but I, I think I think the main lesson is just is the communication. 
just communicate like if, if you're the one making the plans like communicate what you want um if you're the one like helping organize it like communicate and try to figure you know talk to everyone involved everyone who will be affected um and basically like that's i mean it's not really a funeral thing but like like with my dad because he had cancer like i feel like i was able to basically say everything i needed to say um i even asked him one time if he was afraid of dying and he said no I'm like, I'm not afraid. so i think that's <laughs> i mean on a practical level it's extremely helpful but it's it's also once they're dead there's no more communication or at least on on that level like 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 his wedding ring right like did he want it on did he want mom to have it we'll never know right like it's it's and so i think the more unanswered questions there are like the harder the grieving process will be so probably probably the most the most generous thing you can do to the people who you leave behind is tell them what you want in very specific detail as more specific than you possibly imagine <laughs> just be super specific um and then they'll know right like they'll they'll know like and that there won't be that, that lingering question that lingering like oh is this is this what she wanted or is this like um and then also like if, if you're with someone who's dying like or even if they're not dying just like tell them what you actually think tell them what you you know when you when you have a chance so so there you go that's my advice is mm -hmm. is uh is don't uh is talk is stop making death a taboo and talk about so talk with the person if possible. Have the important and detailed conversations with them while you can. And then yep. have a lot of communication with everyone potentially affected to kind of um, get on the same team about what the plan is and what works yep. best. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think that's what I saw happen with like my dad's death is that it overall it went incredibly smoothly. There was no drama. There was no people like yelling at each other and be like, no, that's not what we wanted. Like it was, it was very harmonious. And that's because they put in a lot of work ahead of time. Yeah. Amazing. So. Anything else that you want to say just about the experience in general? Hmm. Um. Mm. Yeah, I guess uh 
I guess I mean one one word that came to me in a is actually during a like a trip experience where I was feeling feeling my ego slip away and not not wanting it to happen, just being so scared and and I just I had this this word that came to me which was it's okay to die. And there you go. That's I think I think that's it's true. I I, I don't even know what death is. I don't I don't know what death is, but it seems to be a pretty pretty normal thing that, <laughs> that we all go through. So I think it's okay. Don't don't have to take it so seriously. You can even you can even laugh while you're cleaning dead bodies so thank you so much nat i really appreciate you being willing to talk about this publicly and just being so um yeah open and honest about the the experience yeah thank you for uh posting up it was good it was helpful yeah, yeah. cheers to jack sharp yeah thanks dad love you